Today's episode of Your Stories is brought to you by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No exclusives, no premium content, no paywalls, just a great podcast app for everyone. Get it for free in your app store. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there. No questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not, not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story and their story is your story and then it's our story and then it's a podcast so it's everybody's story and then you've shared it and gosh that's great huh and even if you don't think you're a nerd you probably are it's easily the most midwestern thing i've ever been a part of Hey everybody, Eric Garneau here, back again with another episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. I know we took a brief break for a little while, but you know, we've had a couple incredible back-to-back shows these last couple weeks, and I'm so excited to share them with you all. Uh, so this week, we've got the first part of our team-up with one of my favorite storytelling shows in the city, Lily Bee's The Stoop, for an episode that brings both our crowds together for an excellent night of stories. I love getting to work with Lily and her people on this show. And I also stepped back into co-hosting this thing for the night, which was pretty fun. Uh, this week, you'll hear pieces from Brian Willie, Shawnee Smith, and Lily herself, plus music from me and Katie Johnston-Smith. Uh, I promise these are some of the raddest stories we've ever had on the show, and I'm really happy you can enjoy them now. Uh, I also want to shout out that, as they do on The Soup, we use this recording as a chance to do some financial good for important members of the community. So we'll hear a lot more about this in the second half of the show, which comes out next week. But uh, this recording doubled as a fundraiser for Chris Dino, a community organizer and martial arts teacher who's been facing some health hardships. Uh, Again, we'll really get into that next week, but I will post a link to Chris's GoFundMe with this episode as well, so you can check it out and give him some support. Uh, so make sure you come back next week for part two of this awesome night. And here are the stories. <laughs> Who thought I was really gone? How many, how many months did you guys have in the pool? You had seven. You win. Come see me for a prize after the show. No, I'm back. So I quit this show in December. Do you guys remember? It was like very sad and everyone cried about my emotional story. Um, But so Lily B uh, runs a great show called The Soup that we're going to introduce very soon here. And she said to me, you know what nerds love, Eric? They love crossovers and I want to do a crossover with you. (laughs) I was like, yep, this all sounds great. I can't say no. We're here with some great storytellers. We're here for a great cause tonight. 
Uh, but we're mostly we're here to share stories and share bits of each other, right? I think that's what we do here. Yeah. I still remember how to do this show, I think. <laughs> so, um, the theme tonight, as chosen by, by uh, Lily and the Stoop crew, is It's All Good. And we'll get into why we chose that shortly. But um, we do music at the top of every show and the bottom of every show because we want to. And it's a nice way to get people amped. Uh, Katie and I are the band. Katie, what songs are we doing tonight? Why we're, are we doing these? We're doing some songs that like have helped either us or other people get through some shit to get through to, to like help them feel like it's all good. So this first song that we're doing is um, by Jenny Lewis and it's off of her newest album. And it's a song that she wrote uh, to help get her through a really hard time in her life. I think that this is this sets a record for quickest time between like release on an album and being played on the stage. Yes. About two months. Good work. <laughs> this is so fresh, you guys. It's yeah. called Little White Dove. Was it a dream under the holy cross in the valley below? A mother and child emergency behind a yellow curtain on the second floor. All the guardian angels at the door With their long white coats and stethoscopes In the middle of love I'm a little white dove, yeah I'm a heroine In the middle of love I'm a little white dove, yeah
ever play a song you guys have heard before? Uh, when I think about artists that embody It's All Good, I think about the spiritual guru of the Beatles, George Harrison. I've really become a George guy late in life. Is that just something that happens? I don't know. But I, my most popular tweet that I've ever made, uh, it was uh, my understanding of the Beatles in high school. And it was like, John, great guitar, or like John, and a countercultural uh, revolutionary. George, great guitar player. Paul, great ear for melody. Ringo, had nice friends. And then now... <laughs> George, countercultural revolutionary. John, great guitar player. Ringo, great ear for melody. Paul, has nice friends. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Also, Ringo also played on that Jenny Lewis album that we just sang a song from. That's true. Yeah, wild. And also, Shining Time, Shining Time Station conductor, made of dreams. Anyway, you guys know this one. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun, and I say it's alright. Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it feels like it is since it's been here. Here comes the sun, do 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 do. Here comes the sun, and I say. It's alright Little darling The smiles return into the faces Little darling It seems like it is since it's been here Here comes the sun Do 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 Here comes the sun And I say It's alright So, crossover show. I am so excited. If you've been to the show, if you listen to the show, you've heard uh, one of the next two people that is going to take the stage a bunch. But I don't know if you've heard her host a show before. It's quite a sight. She runs a, a show on the west side at Rose's Lounge called The Stoop. It is one of my favorite storytelling shows in the city. Uh, the goal there is to emulate... Uh, kind of just classic Chicago-style storytelling where people are sitting on their stoops and sharing parts of each other with themselves. And I think we're going to try to do a little bit of that tonight. But I'll let Lily explain that. So please, everybody, welcome from the stoop, Lily B. And also, 
Because I still have to edit a podcast we recorded. We spent so many, so many hours. It's going to be great, though. It so is. Once I get... Because editing sucks, yo. Um, editing sucks. I don't know how people do that. <laughs> uh, and and in working with Eric, um, we I've realized like he, this show, the, the Your Story show, is about getting new voices and on stages or voices that are not normally performing voices, right? They're not, you don't get yeah. people here that are like doing theater or arts or telling stories. And that's what I really appreciated about the Your Story show um, when I came is that it was just like my friend who like is a theologian and like <laughs> story. And, uh, but that's the stoop, right? The stoop yeah. is very much like that, yeah. Jenny, right? Like where we just kind of like, I'm, I'm my Uber driver's here yeah. today. He's sharing a story. And uh, I talked to him. He had a story. I invited him to do the show. And he was like, okay. So, uh, yeah, let's see. Yeah. Why don't you tell that story on stage? I just run even yeah, no, I, I got you back. Don't worry about it. Uh-huh. No one's going to talk shit. Uh, and so, and so I, I, when, um, so when he left and then came back, or then it was just, uh, I was stuff like, happened in between, you know, December and now. And then, and then we decided we were going to take the summer off because the summer, no, no, why, but then we didn't get a summer. <laughs> yeah. We still ain't got really a summer. Um. It really hasn't. Like, yeah. the summer's been like a total, like, summer's a fuckboy right now. It's like, it's there, but it's not really there. And when it comes back, it's on, it's on some bullshit still. Um, but I figured, like, we would, I wanted to kind of start um, traveling or bringing the stoop to different shows in different spaces. And so um, the first stop, like, immediately I was like, I want to team up with Eric or at least do something with Eric. Uh, and and we're bringing just elements of the stoop to your story. So this is still your stories with like a little stoop flavor. As you <laughs> I'm a part of that flavor, Jenny DP, because I could never get my co-host last name right. You don't need. To, you I know. call her, I call her Jenny, and then I, her last name I pronounce it the way people. Um, you know, how you plug your USB cord in. <laughs> And every time, the you first time, wrong. <laughs> you get it wrong the first time, every time, and then you're like, oh, damn. Every time with her name. Every so time. I just stopped saying it. Because I'm like, Delicia, damn, Delicia. Uh, oh, I should have gone with DP. I know I got it wrong. I apologize. DP, Jenny DP. Uh, because I can't just what, say it one more time. Delicia Parson. I always say Delicia. All the time, long. every time. Like, damn. Oh, There's a lot of syllables. Uh, that hyphen just gives people time uh, to think yeah. about all the mistakes they could make. Yeah, my people, yeah, people are like, what's your last name? Delessio Parson. They always just go straight to Parson. It's like, no, the, the whole thing. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And then I always say, Delessio. And then I'm like, nope, it's Delessio. And I'm wrong every time. So, DP, that's my co-host at the soup, Jenny DP. And we... We pretty much, uh, we just host, we just get together. Just get we get up on the stage. Yeah. Get up on the stage and host a show. There is no rhyme or reason 
Um, I mean, there is a reason, obviously. <laughs> we obviously want to share stories, but we, we don't take on... It's very kind of organic yeah. how we do it. And, uh, and we invite people that we know, and we introduce them how we know them. And we, we kind of let you know right off the top who's going to be on the show, and then they come kick it. Um, we're going to take on a little bit of your approach a little today. bit it's going to be a little more structured than yours a little more casual than ours yeah right exactly. yeah yeah hope you guys are ready the three of you who i recruited thank you yeah i didn't even send out a pre-show email this time i was you know what happens yeah just show up get ready to share a story let's do this right so uh i would say Let's share some stories. I mean, you want you already talked about how this uh, your your stories came about. We kind of gave you an idea. The stoop, you can look us up. You can come see our shows. But for the most part, we're gonna get some stories told. We're gonna share some stories on the theme. It's all good. It's all good because at the end of the day, it's all good. If you ain't six feet under, it's. I feel like we we can find my mom has to say no hay mal que por bien no venga there is no bad from which good cannot come mm-hmm. you know it's a big it's a big thing there and there isn't I've, I'm proof I'm living proof I can share story after story I could have done a whole six stories right here by myself <laughs> about that theme alone there is no bad from which good cannot come so today we're gonna do that and then we're gonna talk to you a little bit about who we're here to support and feature later on in the show. Let's just get some stories. And yeah. how are we going to do that? How, how do we do that, Jenny? Tell, well, tell just like any good stoop, stoop does that. There's not really an order to it. It's just, you know, just like on your stoop, people yeah. come up and if you feel like you want to share a story, you share your story and then you think, oh, I have a story connected to that. And then you share that story. So there's not a set order. You can chime in if you really feel compelled, you know, like someone's telling a good story and you want to make a comment about it, you jump on in. Don't go full on interrupt. Yeah, don't be rude now. Yeah, you're still courteous. We <laughs> still have manners. We were raised by people. Raised <laughs> by wolves. Um, but definitely be like, for real? You know? Uh, yeah. You can do that because that's sometimes there is a for real moment on the street. Like, uh, I've had people high five each other middle story over like <laughs> the Hawks winning. I don't know. Um, Do you want to run down who, the six we got and then we can see who our first brave volunteer yeah. is? Yeah, no, and then yeah, whoever whoever just wants to get it out the way, right? Because there's always <laughs> one. There's always one who's like, I want to go first just so people forget how I that. I just I just want to fucking get it out the way. Uh, Lily always says at her show uh, that she doesn't make her guests go first, so usually. Jenny will open, but at our show, I always make my guests go first, so <laughs> sorry, guys. Because your story is like, uh, nope, I don't know about you. We always like that. Yeah, I sang my songs. Now yeah. it's your turn. I opened up with singing. If you can sing, then do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can play that guitar. Just The strings are a little, little yeah. worn, so be careful. So yeah, usually at, our, at the studio, Jenny is the, the our sacrificial. Uh, we're just like, Jenny, do it. And then she does and then the, the person is second but they know they're really first <laughs> so who you got on your who you got on your squad and then i said who i got on my squad yeah and then we and then whoever either person on this like just step on up if you bad, bad. 
If you bad, <laughs> that was such a stupid thing. Real quick, there's a real quick story behind that. So in the hood, back in the day, uh, to instigate a fight, to get it over it, because you know people like to lip box, go back and forth, and they will spend all day just talking shit back and forth. So someone would get in the middle, and then they would stand between the two people, and they'd be like, if you bad, slap my hand. right? And so this person over here would slap the hand, and then you would take that and then hit the person over here. And then that person would be like, she just hit you, so then they would hit your head, and then you would hit the person over there, and then the person in the middle would step back and be like, it's on you. And then that would either start the fight or make them walk away. And if you bad, yeah, so if you bad, slap my hand. Whoever's bad, come slap my hand and I'm like, pull you on stage. That's how Definitely slap Lily's hand. I'm very sensitive and weak. <laughs> I'm not bad. I'm not bad. So who did who did we invite? Uh, so we each brought three people. I brought some folks that uh, have done your stories before that I loved, and and one who uh, I've always I should have asked. A long time ago, we've been working together for a minute, and uh, it just never came up. So that is J.J. Ranvier. Uh, J.J. runs a storytelling show called Fuck Tales. Uh, you can guess what that's about. She also does a wonderful podcast on Nerdalog.com called uh, The After Disaster Broadcast, which is like a post-apocalyptic radio show travelogue. Uh, very, very cool. I love it. Um, I can't believe I've never asked her to do your stories before. I'm very happy that she's here. We also have Whitney Wasson. So sometimes we do have uh, stand-ups and other performers on our show. Uh, Whitney runs a show called Serenity Now, which is a, a like sober, positive uh, comedy and variety show, which is amazing, because I want to say, I, I drink, not, not a lot, though. I went to a, a Shakespeare show this week, which is a thing. My dear friend was in it, but she I don't know that she's crazy about it, so I feel free to talk about this. It was... <laughs> It was like literally, you walk in and they're like, "Here's a beer," and then they they're like, they make you drink in front of them. They're like, "Prove to me that you know how to drink." And I'm like, "I gotta drive home. Like, I don't need to prove anything to you." It, yeah. That's a what is that? Um, um, I'm thinking. That's a cult. Yeah, <laughs> that's a cult. Yeah. So I'm just picturing Denzel Washington in the car right now, and training. I'm forget, training day. I'm picturing. Training. Day. So I I appreciate the the work. That, uh, that Whitney and other artists are doing in the community to make that not the norm because I uh, experiencing something like that it felt really gross and this is a, someone who like I would have had a beer anyway but don't don't make me drink it in front that's of you scary. that's weird as hell yeah. anyway um, so Whitney Watson is here <laughs> and then our, our final storyteller from my side is a gentleman that we did a show in his house last year and I, it was one of my favorite shows of all time I don't think we've seen him since uh, but there's rumors that he wants to start a version of the show in the south suburbs, maybe, which would be incredible. Uh, Brian Willie is here, everybody. One of my very favorites. I'm so happy to have Brian back. Uh, and I invited, uh, so, I, so I invited myself, because I'm... <laughs> Woo! Well, I want to tell the story. I always want to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, my, so this person and I go back just... Like click clacks at this point, uh, click clacks, right? Because um, we met, we met in the city. Javier and I, um, Javier Suarez, who is just uh, just my friend. Like we met on the sh- at a street 
like met met at like a street festival. My house music festival. Yep, my house music <laughs> festival where you meet where you should meet go and meet people because it's the be- one of the best music festivals. I I like that, and it's free. And uh, and we just started working together. I was hosting storytelling workshops at the gallery he used to have and own, and and he just started sharing stories there. Um, kind of just in the workshop space and doesn't really do a lot on stage and so when I needed a third I thought let me ask Javier and Javier was down to do it he was free and he was down to do it and then the th- the third person was Shani who's one of my current like storytelling students but let me tell you like uh, so I teach workshops all over the city uh, both paid and free uh, workshops and and I kind of just tell my students like if you want to be on my show just tell me and I'll put you on and I let them know that I was doing this crossover show and Shani who's just a natural um, is, was like I'll be there I'll, I'll be there and, and uh, Shani does a bunch of work she'll workshops and she's starting this like empowerment thing and um, she'll tell you all about it when she gets up here if the story is not about it but I think uh, my people's just people like that I've never actually really featured. I don't think I've featured. Have you ever featured you at my, my the, I know you had one at your space. Yeah, Stu Pilsen. Yeah, Stu Pilsen, but I don't think I've ever featured you at the Stu, at a Stu, other Stoop show or anything else. No, Stu Pilsen. And then, uh, and Shani, this will be the first time she's ever hit my, a Stoop stage. Uh, you know, so. Fresh faces, we love it. Like Willie said, we you know the point is to reach tellers who maybe wouldn't tell elsewhere, just to give everyone a home, right? Like there's no heirs here. That's the hope. So yeah, yeah. no, we don't want yeah. This song gotta be this. This ain't other shows. <laughs> no one's being graded on a pitchfork style scale. No, no, we don't do that here. <laughs> this ain't this ain't us. No, we ain't doing that. We don't do that here. So. Um, it's all good. Yeah, right. It's all good, who, right? So who wants to be first? Whoever bad. Brian, are you bad? You're looking like you might be bad. <laughs> you're, you're, like, you're like on the edge of your seat. I don't want to. I don't want to pick you into it. So. <laughs> You already heard his bio, and uh, everyone keep it going for Brian. Yeah. Are we gonna sit here? Also, one other note: we're gonna sit on the actual seat tonight, y'all. So this is why, because at our show we just sit on the stage, so we'll oh, yeah. just be admiring you. Oh, great! I can actually see people now. Oh man, this is great. It's great to be back at uh, Cards Against Humanity Theater. Um, just thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you. you know, yeah. This goes out to the folks in the yard seats up there. <laughs> so, people come and people go. It takes some of us longer to learn that than others. I was a college student long ago during the time of typewriters and phones with cords, big box of yellow cabs, ashtrays everywhere, presidents that could read. <laughs> Crazy. I'd only been living in Chicago for a year. My job at the time was at a big bookstore at Water Tower Place called Crocs and Brentano's. I was the only part-time college kid. Most of the folks I worked with had a second job and then went to night school, or they worked there full-time to support their family. I started to begin to realize how very lucky I was as far as opportunities and economics. It was my first time working in a place that was minority white, with most of my coworkers African-American or Latino. The boss and managers were all gay, the first... Mm-hmm out gay people I'd ever met. 
I experienced some culture shock, and I surely said and did some things that must have pissed some people off. (laughs) I knew more about the Yanomami Indians in the Amazon basin than I did about the people that I was working with. (laughs) Someone had to show me how to tie my tie on my first day, as I had no idea. The head cashier, a gay black man, showed me how. His mind blown that I did not have this basic knowledge. (laughs) Do it again. Now I strongly suggest you practice this tonight and every day until your next shift because helping skinny white boys tie their ties is not part of my job. (laughs) Yes, yes, I was skinny once and young. I practiced it until I could do it walking down a hallway and eventually while running down Chicago Avenue from the subway station at State Street, desperate to arrive on time after yet another CTA mystery delay. It came as a surprise to me that African Americans had their own set of conspiracy theories, just like white folks did, and none of which I'd ever heard before. All of them feature white people as the bad guys, which... Of course they do. It makes sense. But that doesn't make them any easier to listen to while you're eating your lunch in the break room. So then white people invented AIDS to genocide black people and, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt. Could you pass the ketchup? Of course. Here you go. Anyway, as I was saying, you feel weird interrupting a conversation like that, but eventually you get used to it. People were generally pretty patient with me, though. They saw my ignorance, they corrected me, which I greatly appreciated. I appreciate it to this day. It was the most diverse place I ever worked at in my life, and there was great strength in that diversity. I was interested in people and politics back then. The last couple of years have pushed me into a kind of mental bunker for my own sanity, but back then I wasn't afraid to ask questions, and I knew the details of how the city worked and who was in charge of what. At the time, Harold Washington was mayor of Chicago, Chicago's first black mayor. He was a damn good mayor. Charismatic, too. But a lot of people had gotten upset. A lot of white people. They fought him tooth and nail in the city council, blocking him every chance they could. Council wars, they called it. I'd get defensive and annoyed sometimes when people at work found out I was interested in politics and implied or stated that I likely supported the actions of those in city council which I most definitely did not. Even more annoying were the kids back in my classes at DePaul, who refused to consider Mayor Washington's ideas, would spit vitriol when they talked about him, and didn't realize he was trying to make a better city for all of us to live in, not just the Gold Coast and the money enclaves. They didn't understand he was a great man who had overcome incredible challenges to get where he was. Now, I had some great political science teachers at DePaul, And one day, my urban studies teacher told us that Alderman Danny Davis would be coming to speak and answer questions in our classroom in a week. None of us knew who that was, so he explained he was a well-respected and longtime African-American politician in Chicago. He was coming as a favor to our teacher. He really didn't have time to spend talking to us. So our teacher told us to do some research and have some good questions for him so he wouldn't think we were a bunch of barbarians. (laughs) So do the reading, and oh, one last thing. Alderman Davis tolerates white folks. He does not particularly like them. So just in case, wear your thick skin next week. (laughs) Now, the last time I'd been warned about an in-class guest, it was the author Margaret Atwood, who tolerates men, but does not particularly like them. (laughs) And she let us know that several times. So I made sure, I made sure I was ready for anything by donning a coat of mental toughness for Alderman Davis. 
Next week came, and I was blown away. He held our attention with knowledge, humor, and stories. He stayed later than he had to. He was patient with our questions. He treated us all very well. I was absolutely convinced he would be the next mayor after Harold Washington. Meanwhile, my other life at the bookstore continued, and except for my urban studies and history classes, I was learning a lot more at the store than I was at school. I had a co-worker at the store, Dan, a guy who was super creative, very funny, total geek. He'd be very popular today, and perhaps is, wherever he ended up. But at the time, he was not, and he was not good with social skills in a retail setting. He was born in Korea and adopted as an infant by parents in a town here in Illinois called, I'm not kidding, Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> I got the impression folks in Sleepy Hollow didn't see a lot of geeky Asian kids in the late 1980s. He was fearless and would speak his mind even when the smarter move was to stop talking. Mm-hmm. In high school, some asshole had smashed his head against a locker and burst his eardrum, making him deaf in that ear. So now, on top of everything, he tended to speak very loudly. He loved movies and books and music, and he was my good friend at work. Dan lived on the south side, so it wasn't easy to get together after work. But eventually, I invited him over to my dorm room to hang out. On the night he was coming over, he asked if he could bring a couple friends with him, both girls. I was surprised and apprehensive. I was generally shy and stupid around girls. But I said, yeah, of course. Bring your friends. He showed up with a huge VCR some cool movies I'd never seen, and beer. Continuing my surprise, the girls were beautiful and (laughs) older than I was. One had a sort of a rockabilly look, the other sort of a hippie, fairy, Stevie Nicks thing going on. They both looked like models, and I assumed my eyes were bulging out in a cartoon-like fashion whenever I looked at them, like Hanna-Barbera. I got pretty drunk, and it was a great time until Dan overdid it with my whiskey and had to spend some time in the bathroom. This would have been a good time to offer them all a cab, or at least get some food. But instead, I pulled an asshole move. See, I was mystified as to how Dan was with these two girls. And I started to ask probing questions. I was jealous, extremely jealous. Eventually, Rockabilly asked me point blank what it was I was trying to say. I told her I was just surprised that such hot women were hanging out with Dan, as he had zero game at work. (laughs) And you know, I was very obviously disrespecting Dan, undermining him trying to show that I was better looking and cooler than he was. They both looked really angry. And it became obvious to me that while I was drunk and Dan was hammered, these women were sober. They were clear-headed and they were pissed. Dan comes all the way over here from Bridgeport, brings a heavy VCR, his favorite movies, and a bunch of beer, and all you can think to do is talk about him behind his back while he's getting sick in your bathroom? They recognized the jealousy, the sheer jealousy and ignorance that was behind my questions. And that was that. The evening was over. They stopped talking to me, gathered up all the movies and beer, rounded up Dan, and left. I knew immediately what I'd done. I even ran out and tried to apologize to them, but the women just shook their heads, walked away with Dan stumbling along between them. Dan was out of it, but they must have explained what happened, because he quit talking to me. He was no longer my friend. He quit shortly after, and that was that. I never spoke to Dan again. Sometimes you only get one shot with people. It's not like in the movies. There is no redemption. You don't get to apologize. You don't get answers. You just move on. Dan was a little older than me, and he had friends in Hollywood and New York. He'd submitted screenplays and short stories. He could write horror, sci-fi. He was funny as hell. He could have been a lifelong friend. He could have helped me figure myself out, and he could have helped me get into an industry that I would have enjoyed. But I was a child, unable or unwilling to see the value of people until they were gone. I was working at the store when Mayor Harold Washington died. 
Word spread like wildfire, a heart attack. There was complete shock, sort of like on the scale I imagined when JFK was killed. Men and women burst into tears. We worked in a haze. If we didn't know, we at least suspected that we'd lost someone important, someone that mattered. Thank you. Ryan Willie, everybody. <sighs> you fucked that one up. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. I remember uh, Harold Washington died. I was like in first grade, I want to say. What year was that? Uh, 80. Something. Yeah, I was like first grade, first, second, and I remember it happening, and Miss, uh, my teacher, Miss Sandra Rance, walking out the room, and not coming back. Oh. Like she not, like, like she just walked out, and then the principal came in, and she said, "Kids, we gonna have." I don't know if, I don't know the lunch lady came and hung out and <laughs> movies all day. Something, I don't I remember. I like the Ms. hierarchy of like, well, your teacher's gone. The lunch lady. <laughs> <lady's laughs> yeah. She got some snacks for y'all. Here you go. Chill out. Here's some peanut butter cookie things. Um, and there were no gluten allergies at that time, so I, <laughs> so I could eat them. Um, but no, it was a big it was a big deal when you say like it was on the level of JFK I remember that being the case like like where it was like our own little Chicago personal JFK where it was just like Miss Rance just left just walked out the room didn't come back where it was just like she was like, like yeah I was like forever <laughs> <laughs> she just never came back <laughs> no she came back but it was like but she took it really hard yeah. hearing it like she heard it was like she heard about it and there was no cell phone so I don't know it's like she felt it in the forest or maybe she saw I don't know because we come back from lunch and then she was sitting there and trying to teach and then she said excuse me and then walked out and then we would come to find out via an intercom announcement that Harold Washington had died, and then we put two and two together, and we were like, that's why she walked out. Uh, <laughs> but at first we were like, did we fuck up? Like, <laughs> did, we, did we fuck up? Like, Brian fucked up with his friend? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um... Yeah, that was real. That's such a real ass story. Thank you for sharing that, Brian. Another round of applause. Yeah. That was great. I think we gotta need somebody from my side, right? It's gonna be so we're gonna do three, and then intermission, and then three, and then music, and then the last three, right? Yeah. That's right. right. Who from my side want to come in and do this? Shani, Javier, Shani. Yeah. Little do you know we're keeping score. (laughs) We got got one heart string pulled on on their side. That's the measure. One heart string pulled. So I came up here because I had to add that was a a black conspiracy too. You know, they kill here in Washington. White folk kill here in Washington. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. My principal, who was a nun and white, actually announced over the PA, your mayor died. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, like every parent was in the school, but all right. 
<laughs> your mayor died. Your mayor died, right. So, if I can ask family that uh, we take a moment of silence and let's close our eyes and give honor to a pillar of the community that we've lost. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because Mildred accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If you don't, you're going to hell. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Typical come to Jesus moment. Doors and purses of the church are open in a black Baptist church. I know I did not drive eight hours from Chicago to Ohio to hear again that I'm going to hell. (laughs) 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 And the minister points directly to me. <laughs> and my dad, who's sitting next to me, he's a known atheist, and, and, <laughs> and I subscribe as a student of Islam, so I'm Muslim, and I'm wearing my hijab because we're in a place of worship. But I'm going to hell. <laughs> Had he known, Muslims actually believe in Jesus. Hello. <laughs> but... I'm sitting there like, I did not drive all the way here for this. And this is a large church. It has a balcony. And it seems like endless pews of of red oak. And it's hot and it's dry. (laughs) And he's going on with this eulogy about my aunt. I could not wait until this was over. The faster that this was over, the faster I would be out of purgatory. (laughs) After that, it follows a 20-minute processional to the graveside or to the graveyard. And along the route, I have to listen to my dad's antics. My mom, my dad, me, and my brother are in the car. My dad and my brother in the back seat. My mom is riding up front with me. And as we're driving, here's my dad. Now you know, on every given Sunday, that motherfucker gonna put all the collection up in a plate. He gonna throw it up and say, God, take whatever you want. (laughs) 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 And then he'll pocket the rest. He goes on and on and on. (laughs) Until we pull up into the graveyard in front of this brownstone mausoleum covered with vines, something like kind of out of a little horror movie, but kind of cute and quaint. (laughs) And as we pull up, we stop in front of the mausoleum and my mom get out, my brother get out, and uh, they go in to the mausoleum. And I'm in the car with my dad and I say, Dad, get get out the car, you know, Um, come on in. Hell, I ain't going in there. He already told me I'm going to hell. <laughs> so I said, Dad, get out the car. Nah, I'll just wait until we get to the graveside. <laughs> okay. 
cool. So I go in to just check it, check out the uh, lay of the land, and it's a small mausoleum. Um, at the church, um, I want to say it was about 60 folks, 62 if you include the choir. <laughs> um, but this is a space set up for about 30 people, you know, that we all have to crowd into. They have six chairs set out front, one for my father, and uh, the other chairs are for her children. And the casket is there, and I see that they're go- she's going to be entombed there. So I run back out to the car, and I'm like, Dad, they're waiting on you. Come on, get out the car. They got a chair out there. Come on, you know? <laughs> and um, I, he said, no, nah, i wait until we get to the graveside. I said, she's going to be entombed here. Oh, yeah, that's just like Mildred's ass. She want to be hanging off a damn wall somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, come on in. You know, get out the car. I done told your ass up. Dad, are you okay? Dad, are are you okay? Dad, go. go. (laughs) His eyes roll to the back of his head. His head falls back onto the back of the seat rest. His chest is not moving. He turns as blue as a blueberry. And I'm in shock. I'm just looking at him. And I'm thinking, just one thing, who in the fuck dies at a funeral? (laughs) 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 And I'm just looking at him and I said, I got to go and tell my mom. Now, my relationship with my dad hasn't always been the greatest, but I'm like, how do I tell this to my mom? I didn't kill him. (laughs) But it's like, how do I tell this to my mother? And and the service has started by this time. I know my mom is standing toward the back, but I have to squeeze into the little mausoleum and, and in between a couple of rows of people who were attending and... Mom, dad is not okay, mom. She hits my brother. Would you see what she won't? Mom, dad is not okay. Now, I'm not trying to interrupt the service. I'm trying to do this as as discreetly as possible. But she finally gets a hold of and understands what it is that I'm saying to her. And she belts out this big, what? And she runs out to the car. And I'm like, oh. Everyone turns around slowly, trying to see what's up with Aunt Bunis. And 
As she runs out to the car, my brother fouls behind her, and I'm just slowly watching the sea of folk. <laughs> it seemingly follow her out to the car. When I walk outside, my mom has climbed into the back seat where my dad is, and she's right there next to him, and she's beating on his chest. Julian, don't do this to me! Julian, no, don't do this to me! Oh, God, Julian, don't do this to me, no! And she's just pounding on his chest, and my heart is just ripped out because this is 50 years of marriage. My brother is trying to get my mom out the car and I'm standing there watching folks and people are fumbling with phones and I'm still in shock and awe. Who in the fuck dies at a funeral? (laughs) (laughs) My brother is trying to wake my father or get some type of response and we call the ambulance and Then everyone is standing around, they're crying, and my cousin, she starts belting out, Oh, Lord, not Uncle Jovac! Oh, not Uncle Jovac, too! Now, she just lost her mom, Mm -hmm. and everyone has has left uh, the internment service at this point, and even the minister is out uh, praying that he don't go to hell. <laughs> so, as we're waiting and waiting for the ambulance, and you can hear sirens in the distance, all of a sudden, as my mom is continuously just pounding on, on my dad's chest and crying, He sits up. (laughs) And he looks like nothing happened. (laughs) What y'all doing? (laughs) What? Julian, you left us. Julian, what are you doing, Julian? Where you were gone? We thought you were gone. My mom. <laughs> and he says, Now, woman, I'm just like Jesus. <laughs> I'm the only man you know that can die and come back. I got more lives than a cat. <laughs> and of course, the minister is declaring a miracle. <laughs> but, but you can only see his face when this self-declared atheist, who is now calling himself Jesus, <laughs> comes back from the dead. <laughs> you can only see this minister's face. <laughs> One thing that I do know is that My dad did have nine lives. (laughs) And he came back again and again and again. And he's still with us, and he still lives with us, not in the flesh, but in the stories that we share.
Natural. I said it like she a natural. Like I'm like, what are you taking my class for? <laughs> but thank you for taking my class. Uh, I love the idea of the minister yeah. <laughs> being like, you go to hell, and then oh, being shit. like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Maybe, you know, um, <laughs> damn, I fucked that one up. Uh, or something. But of course, when she's like, it was all me, he popped his collar. He was like, that was all me. I was out here praying for him to come back. I brought him back to life. Because that's how ministers do. Uh, no, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that was uh, amazing. Um, I was there. I felt like I was there. Mm-hmm. I saw all of y'all mm-hmm. when the dad died. <laughs> everybody was like, no, he fucking did. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody was with you like, who the fuck does this? Who the fuck does this at a funeral? Uh, wow, that was great. Mm-hmm. One more round of applause. Now it's whoever. Whoever want to step up and do a story. So it's like, it could be someone from my side, it could be someone from y'all's side, don't matter, I don't care. Um, I mean... Who's who's being... Do you want to do it, Lily? I'll go. I'll go. I'll go after Shiny. Who don't follow Shiny? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. Yeah. I'll fucking go. Well, I feel like every time I introduce Lily B, I say something different and I still don't run out of shit to say because Lily, Lily does everything. She's a storyteller hosts workshops, does podcasts, does all kinds of different art events all over the city, has the stoop on the last Thursday of the month, is just the greatest person that I know, um, and brings storytelling into the lives of so many people who, who benefit from storytelling, all those stories that we wouldn't hear otherwise. So, put your hands together for Lily B. I don't know if I've ever shared this story on this stage, and I, sh- I know some people who know my storytelling know this story, but I feel in the theme of it's all good, um, I should share one from my show. I did a one-woman show called Noiman, which is uh, There Is No Bad, From Which Good Cannot Come, Noiman. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to do, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do this one. I like this one. Uh. I, I hear his steps, right? I hear I hear the, the, the footsteps, uh, her footsteps, sorry, come into the house, and they're heavy. They're like, they're like heavy. And then uh, they cross, and I'm, I'm like five when I hear the steps, and, I, and I'm in my room, and I see my mom cross the room, and uh, I was like, damn, those sound angry. Those steps sound angry. And then she walks back across like five seconds later, this time with bags filled with what looks like clothes. And I'm in my room playing barbies with my sister, and she walks back across, and she throws them on the porch and then goes right back in. And I'm watching all this from my room, like, what is going on? And again, the feet are heavy, like the footsteps are heavy, like dun 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 dun. She does this three, four times before um, I hear the front door open again, 
And now there's another set of heavy footsteps. One of these are more like dragging. And then I see my dad, who is out of breath. And he is pleading with her. Like, Morena, Morena, uh, Prieta, Prieta, right? He calls my mom Prieta. It's like dark. It's just like like black. She's referring to how dark her skin is. Perdóname, perdóname, forgive me. And I'm like, what is going on? And I'm five or six. But I remember, I see it, I remember. It's like one of my earliest memories. And it's, and she's like, no, no, David, no, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah, say, yeah, say, yeah, 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 vete, vete de aquí. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. And, I'm, and she's like, that's it, I don't want to hear it. And I'm thinking to myself at like six, he's saying, sorry, you need to be forgiving him. I mean, that's what I got to do. <laughs> like, when me and my sister fight, I got to say, sorry. And then she has to forgive me, and then we cool again. So this should be happening. And he's saying, sorry, you should be forgiving them. And then it, it's not happening. She just throws his things off the porch, and that's it. It's the last time I see my dad in my house. And I remember for, like, the next 11 years, Wanting him to come back as kids do and asking, like, why can't he come back? And her not saying anything, her being very tight-lipped about it. And every time she don't say nothing, it makes her guilty to me. Because we'd be at dinner tables and I'd be like, and, and, a, and a family member would be like, oh, but let's not talk about David, right? And then she'll be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> or I'm leaving and then I would be like ooh you hiding something you hiding something and so it made me develop this like ugh against my mom I did everything I was just like you lying you lying about something when I turned 16 I'd like to blame the daddy issues I got pregnant uh, and I, uh, and I moved out when I, I moved out when I was 15, I got pregnant at 16, and my grandma died shortly after I got pregnant. And so now we had to go to Texas, Mexico border and bury her. And I didn't want to go. Cause then that meant I had to take, cause listen, look, my mom and my dad, like they didn't, we didn't like. We didn't have it like that. So we didn't, like, all book flights to go to Mexico. No, they rented a fucking Great America van. (laughs) And, like, 15 of us in a nine-passenger van. We're all going to go to fucking Texas. And one of us was pregnant. This was like, I don't want to fucking go in that van. But they were going to make us go in this van. And, and, and because I had spent this really, like, I had spent my grandma's last week with her because she had died suddenly of a brain aneurysm. It wasn't planned. Story for another day. Um, 
I, I owed it to my grandmother to go. So I go. And I get to Mexico, and it's a party, of course, because that's what we do. We celebrate death. I mean, we have Dia de los Muertos and shit like that. So we are about that death life in Mexico. <laughs> we about it, you know? So we were like, there was three houses. There was like, when we get there to Mexico, there's three houses. There is um, kid house, like younger, like kid house. Anyone with a kid stayed in one house. One house. And then there was like... A couple's house where there were no kids, and it's just the the couples that are married because you gotta be married. It's Catholic, and then <laughs> and then there was drunk house or addict house, like whoever had a problem. Another house, and my pregnant ass got was left in charge of problem house because <laughs> they knew I wouldn't be dipping in no. Dapping, right? Like, I wouldn't be dipping and dapping in that shit. So they just left me in charge of Problem House. And so so while everyone went and did this vigil over my grandma's body at the funeral home, which was like a seven-day, let's send them off right in the name of, like, Jesus, send them off right, I got in, I was in charge of Problem House. So one day, I'm sitting with, like, my tia Wera, and we would sit every day. Like, we would chill out every single night. And my tia Wera is my grandma's youngest sister and every night we would sit with each other and she would pour herself a bottle this big of brandy y'all i'm telling you it was fucking problem house <laughs> so it was like a tall glass of brandy presidente and uh and she would sip it till it was gone and the more she sipped the more she talked and and then she started asking me questions about my baby, and I started telling her, and I was telling her, like, oh, yeah, the, the dad's great. One day she's talking about my dad and the baby, and then she's like, how's the father? Oh, the father's great. He's going to be so great. He's going to, like, I'm going to make sure that we have a relationship, and, da, 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 and I'm not going to do to him what my mom did to my dad. And then... She laughs. She lets out this cackle that reminds me of my grandma where it's like, ka, 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 ka. <laughs> And she's like, is that what you think? Ay, mija, como que? que? And, and I, was, she's, I was like, is that what I think? That's what I know. My mom kicked my dad out on some bullshit, and she don't ever say nothing. And, I'm like, and she's just like, oh, honey. <laughs> and so then she tells me this story. My mom had suspected my father of cheating forever, since the day they got married. And she couldn't, like, she didn't have proof. He went to, all he did was go to fucking work and then come home. And, and so she, so, so he basically was like, you're crazy, you're crazy. Like, gaslighted, like, you're crazy. There's no way, when do I have time? And my grandmother, because I know it was my grandmother, couldn't have been my mom. Was like, well, if we want to catch him, this is the plan. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so back in the day, uh, there's the there were these vans. They called them conversion vans. Uh, now they like refer to them as like raper vans or whatever. Like it, they do. Like it's like you should, right? I'm telling you, don't get in that van. That's how they. That's. <laughs> but they're basically back in the day. They were vans that in the back there were two little benches, right? Mm -hmm. And you could take the benches, lay the slats uh, horizontal, and then it would make a bed in the back. And my grandmother had convinced my mom to hide out in the two-by-two hole 
Like two feet, about two feet wide. My mom was tiny, five foot tall, like this big. My mom like like five feet, like one oh eight. Uh, and told her to hide in this little hole, and that she would say, "You have a tell them you have a doctor's appointment, and I'll and I'll and I'll, you get in there. I'll take care of the kids that day." And she said, "Okay." So she said she had a doctor's appointment. My dad, none the wiser, was like, "Go to your doctor's appointment," and then she hid out. At like seven in the morning, my dad gets up to get to work at nine in the morning, like to to be at work by nine, and my mom hides out in this little hole from all day seven, eight, nine, ten. He gets to work eleven, right? And at about eleven thirty, twelve o'clock lunchtime, he comes out, um, goes to lunch, but before he goes to lunch, he stops somewhere, picks somebody up. And then they go to Wendy's. She likes to make it a point now that I know. <laughs> My mom likes to say now, cheap ass went to Wendy's. <laughs> um, and then they go to a park where they go in the back. They go in the back of the conversion van with the bed laid out. And they start to eat. And then they, you know, throw the wrappers away. And then they start to, like unwrap themselves and so my mom in this two by two hole is listening to my dad make out with this woman and then eventually like fuck right so she's got to listen to like the oohs and the ahs when I do this in my one woman show I got puppets so y'all <laughs> Y'all missing out on the puppets, but but he's got to do like she's got to listen to like the oohs and the ahs and and the and the postcoital conversation that is like I'm going to leave my wife for you, and then he drops this woman back off at home. I mean at work, and I'm like. Now I'm like, couldn't have been me. Could not fucking have been me. Crime of passion. Crime of passion. I would have. No. They they wouldn't have. They wouldn't have. They wouldn't have found me till they reported the smell. They'd have like opened it up. I'd have been covered in all these fucking people's bodies. But um, but my mom let him drop her off, and then when he's driving back to. His job, she like army crawls her ass out of this little hole. And this motherfucker sits in the passenger seat of the van and like looks over at him and he damn near crashes the van. Where he's like, oh shit, where'd you come from? She's like, where the fuck you think? And, like, it just becomes this, like, fight in the middle of, I don't know, Blue Island or wherever the fuck he was headed to work. But they're fighting now in the car because he doesn't know. And he's like, forgive me. I'm sorry. And she's like, nope. I know now. You can't you can't say I'm crazy now. And whatever the fuck she says, I'm, I wasn't there with my aunt with us telling me all about this. And I am sitting there listening at, to, to this drunk tell me the story. And I'm like, what? Are you fucking serious? She's like, yeah, that's what happened. I'm like, and it makes sense. Because what I witnessed 
at five years old was her driving the fucking van back home and storming in from this fuck from that. Oh, and I feel like shit right at that moment. I feel like shit, you guys, because I put my mom through some shit in 11 years. I ran away from home. I ta- I called her all kinds of fucking names. We fought. Me and my mom, like, physically fought in this time, and she just took that shit. And so I got to wait for her to fucking come back. I sang drunk ass with her back to the house like take your drunk ass inside <laughs> and I wait for my mom and when I see her when we like meet up um, she sees me I'm pregnant and she's like what's wrong and then I'm like the van why didn't you fucking tell me about the van at first I was like I was talking to the abuela and she's like oh what she say and then cause she already knew and then I was like, the van, and she and she was like, yeah, all nonchalant, like, yeah, that's that's what happened. I'm like, what you mean that's what happened, ma? That's the truth. What happened? Why didn't you tell me? And and before I could say anything else, she's like, look, it was none of your fucking business. And then I was like, fuck, she right. Like it was this real quick like. You got a point. Like, it was, it's none of my fucking business. She goes, what happens between me and your father is none of your fucking business. And I, and I think about that. What good would that have fucking done? Knowing the piece of shit my dad was at that, at that age. What good would that have done me? I would have, I, I, I mean, I might have not ended up pregnant, right? But, but then I might have ended up pregnant. Or someone worse. I don't know. At least Mike is a decent fucking dude. And stuck around for his kids. You know, or his kids. Sorry, I had one. I only have one. <laughs> and, like, that's the thing, right? It's just like, no hay mal que por bien no venga, because that's still, like, we good. It turned out okay. We turned out okay. I realized then with my mom that sometimes moms do what they got to do to protect us from something that's a lot scarier that we may not be able to handle. And up until November of this year, the jury had been out on my dad for that since then. Like, my, the jury had been out on my dad. But then, even then, we cool now, too. We made up in November over everything. So we cool. We building plant pyramids and shit. We, like, best <laughs> friends now. <laughs> so what I'm saying is just, like, it's all good. I would say, no hay mal que por bien no venga. And what I would add to it is sometimes just, but you just sometimes got to give it time. Just give it a little time. Let it marinate. But it'll be good. Thanks. Wow. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Lily. I think we're going to take like a five, ten minute break. This podcast has been produced in association with the Nerdalogs. To find out more about the Nerdalogs and their shows, visit www.nerdalogs.com or facebook.com slash nerdalogs. Thanks for listening. <laughs>